Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about anger and sadness and lonely, lonely spaces. Dave is such a piece of shit. I literally, we literally had to re-record the intro three times because he didn't like. It was really something. What didn't you like about it? I didn't like you. That was the thing I didn't <laughs> like. I didn't like you. This is a late night, um, tired, cranky, cranky episode of Dopey. Because we've been going hard and going strong. How would but you, I'm kind of in that weird space yes. where I think it's going to be fully authentic. Listen. More how, authentic than before. How would you describe Dopey? How, how would I, it's a podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. Would you say it's... You, you know say? what I say to people when it's like somebody that like, I'm like, I don't know if I should tell them about this. I'm yeah. like, there's hundreds of uh, recovery-centric shows out there. And um, we j- try to appeal to a different demographic than the more traditional podcasts about drugs and alcohol. Do you know what I say? <laughs> I say, I have this podcast. It's called Dopey. It's retarded. <laughs> Boy, Dave wanted our tagline to be, he literally thought that this one should be, it should be Dopey, it's retarded. He wanted to make stickers and t-shirts. And I'm yeah. like, dude, we can't do that. I still believe that. We should have like some like retarded kid eating cereal. And then it's like, Dopey, it's retarded. Dave's so disgusting. I got a box of some beautiful... Organic blueberry clusters, Kashi uh, cereal for tomorrow. And he just opens it up with his grubby little paws that he smokes cigarettes with all day and probably does other things and just eats what kind it. Of, what kind of other things are you implying I do? You know which things like I'm what? talking about. Like what? The things you use your other laptop for. Your second laptop. <laughs> I, mean, I don't use that anymore. <laughs> so what? What's your problem? My problem is... is you just help yourself to my uh, my You're, organic. You offered it to me before. You said I have some cereal. Do you yeah, want some? Yeah, like have a cereal with a bowl and a spoon, not just open it up and. I said, pour I it said, in Chris, mouth. you made coffee. He said, Yeah, but don't use too much milk because I'm going to eat cereal later. <laughs> and it's a small bottle of milk. Did you see it? It's not a bottle. Number one, it's a container of milk. And number two, you knew I was coming. Why didn't you get enough milk for the both of us? Because I thought that the so small who's one would the make pe- it till tomorrow. Who's the piece of shit in that scenario? I am. I'm a piece of shit. Don't be so hard on yourself, man. <laughs> uh, Don't be so hard on yourself. All right, so what's the agenda? Is your pops calling in? Might we as got well. two things to do right now. We're going to do a jail episode, which I have never done on Dopey, where I'm going to delve deep into my jail experiences, which aren't necessarily about drugs and alcohol. A couple of them are, but they're very, very crazy and very, very wild. And uh, I hope nobody ever listens to them that I know. Well, you you invite all your Facebook friends to like Dopey. No, I invite certain ones. Certain? Certain. <laughs> Which certain ones do you invite up to your room? Room. <laughs> I invite <Sarah>. certain <laughs> friends up to my room. Uh, so, and we drink rum. <laughs> so, so Do you ever yeah. say when you were when you were active did you say I have a bottle of rum 
Do you want to come up to my room and enjoy it? Is it really that bad? Dude, say room. I remember I got made room. I remember No, I no, 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 no. Say... And the best thing was when he used to come, when he used to come to my apartment, he'd be like, I wasn't sure which room you were in. You wouldn't even <laughs> go out in apartment. the apartment. Well, dude, I, like, I remember moving to Arizona because I was born in Boston, moved to Arizona. I was 18 till I was like 13. And I remember the kids used to make fun of me because I would say things like a little off. And nobody in my family has like a strong, people always say your dad has this like thick Boston accent, but it's never like, it's people who aren't from Boston. He doesn't really have a Boston accent. But there were certain things I said, and I remember having to get, like, kind of, like, train myself not to say them when I was, like, eight or nine or whatever. Rum was not one of them. No, it, it was. I just never fixed it. Sarah was one. What I was used it? to say Sarah or something. I said what the fuck? Who cares the name? Well, there was Boston s- accents are so funny. Uh, let, me get a, let me get a Wicked Duck beer. Shut, shut up, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to make a dog beer? <laughs> I wish I was around more people from Boston so I could do Boston shtick. Yeah. I wish I well, could. Well, all my knucklehead friends, you know, they're from that area. We should have them call in. All right. I should have my old sponsor call in. He's a salty dog, thick, thick uh, Boston accent, swears like a madman, was homeless for a period. We should have him call in. It would be great for the show. Oh, it would be great. Instead, we're going to have my father call in right now. Here we go. You Where's ready? my vape at? It's over there. Ooh, my back. Hello. Hey, Dad. Hi. How, How are, are you? Doing? I'm all right. What's the matter? I was waiting for you to call the whole night. I texted you two hours ago. Yeah, David. Listen, you were supposed to call on the home phone. That's what you said. No, what we said, said first of all, what's the Yiddish word for complaining? Hello? Uh, No, uh, no, the verb to complain in Yiddish is to... I didn't think of it all. Kvetch! Anyway... Well, I was very disappointed that you can't remember what you say to do. No, you... I'm not disappointed that I didn't have to get on the show. That's no big deal. Well, the good news is you're on the show now. What do you mean? Everybody's listening to what I just said? Yes, and you've really embarrassed yourself and me, (laughs) just so you know. Hey, Alan. Hey, hi, Chris. No, listen, he, he tells me he's going to call me, and I'm sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting, and of course, the Knicks lost in four overtimes, and, and this, whatever this show is going on, President Trump is having another hard day today, and, uh, giving the rest of the country a hard day, and anyway, and you guys want me to be on, on the show after he told me that he would never let me be back on the show. So I don't know why all of a sudden he tells me to call up. Well, after we got that beautiful review, we had to have you back on. Did you read it? I know. It's the pressure of the doping nation that forced you to have me come on, right? Is that that the answer? (laughs) Well, you were a big hit. I I was a big hit. You got two emails saying it was good. Is that the pressure from the two emails? I'm sure you wrote both of them. I didn't write it. No. I, I didn't. I didn't write any of them. I mean, uh, but but I'm glad. I'm glad that one of the guys liked the word turpitude. So I guess that was a big hit. The, I, the listen. Let me I just, still don't know what that means. It means depravity. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Listen, yeah, exactly, Dad. First of all, I apologize that you were sitting by the phone waiting for me to call. 
number one. What? Number two, the idea was that I would text you and then you would call me from the home phone. That was like, my Chris, plan. Chris, this is like how he remembers how, we, how, how we, I first learned that he, had, that he took heroin. This is exactly the same thing. Yeah, but you, in the episode you say that I was right. You, you decide that you were wrong, remember? Well, I'm not going to, I don't remember it at all. No, but I certainly remember today. You said you were going to call me. And you said, you said that I shouldn't call because, you know, you, you didn't know when you wanted What time did I text you? I have no idea. Oh, on the phone it says like 8.20 or something. Exactly. Well, I'm was, surprised you haven't been on your phone the whole time. No, I'm not. I was, I was watching the Nick game. took forever. Uh, you, know, you know the last four overtimes of the 1951? <laughs> I remember that game. And of course uh, they, they lost. lost that, they, they lost that one also, by the way. Listen. Anyway, well, let me get to the point, though. The point, the point that I'm going to make is, is that on your website... On your website, the uh, reviews run by so fast that you can't read them. I mean, it's ridiculous. And of course, you never put up the two good reviews. You know, you know, saying that I had a good call. That was never shown. Uh, Listen. Chris, you want to feel this? Well, just, Alan, anything to do with the website is far beyond the scope and purvey of... Uh, purvey? How do you... What is this? Purveyance? I, I don't know. Of me and Dave. So, I mean, that's our website guy's problem. Well, that guy is doing a, he's doing a terrible job. Why does it have to scroll? Why can't you just go from one to the other, and if you got tired of reading them, you don't read them anymore? You know, that's interesting you say that. I think that's actually Chris's responsibility. No, I think I like the scroll. I just wish it was slower. So I'm with you on the on the uh, slowing the scroll, Alan. But right. um, I, I, I agree. It would be fine if it was slow enough to read it. And also, it seems to put up the uh, the podcast reviews randomly. So sometimes it's two or three repeat themselves instantly, and then you don't see the other ones forever. Alan, and what if we just put have, what if we just put the review where the guy says the good stuff about you, and just have that one scroll continuously? <laughs> Yeah, that's, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Dad, can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Are you sitting with the Dopey website on, waiting for the review about you to pop up on the scroll? No, but I did that all after, I did that three times yesterday. I did it for a total of maybe an hour, like 20 minutes each time. And in each 20 minutes, it never came up at all. Dad, never. you're a wonderful, <laughs> I love you very much. You're a very sweet man. Well, anyway, we, and of course, you announced that you would never have me on the show ever again. So, I say a lot of like, st- stupid stuff. I just yeah, figured like this was worthy. Wait, I get, yeah, you told me to wait for the phone call today. That was pretty stupid, too, yeah. All uh, right. Which never came. Listen. Anyway, so what did you... What? Chris is going to put everything about you. We're going to have an, an Alan, Alan section on the show. <laughs> And, um, you almost said the name, didn't you? Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I almost said that we're going to have an Alan section to the page. Well, you got to work on that. All right. Uh, Alan's corner. Yep. I don't think Alan's I don't advice. Think oh, I wanted to bring up this thing about, I, I mentioned this, that there was a full-page ad in the New York Times yesterday about some guy trying to sell some product to take people off the boxing. Is that the name of that stuff? Yeah. yeah. Was it Kratom or what is it? I don't know. All I know is, all I know is, is that there seems to be, you know, people who get hooked on phony things because they're so, you know, they're so horribly addicted. So they, they 
spend money on these cures that may not have any scientific validity whatsoever. I don't know one way or the other, but, but I guess people could be you know, like looking for cancer cures and things like that. Anyway, of course, it's a very vulnerable population, and there's money to be made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, this guy spent the uh, spent the fortune on a full page ad in the Times. On an anti-suboxone. It's probably not kratom because kratom is just a replacement that's probably going to be illegal soon. But it's it's probably some bullshit. You're right, Alan. Uh, pardon my French. I know you don't like the language. Nice no, going, no, man. Just, look, way, way to curse yeah, at my I, father. Well, no, no. Uh, listen, your language is your language, and I guess it's appropriate for what you guys are doing, but. And it's not appropriate in some other places. So, is is uh, there any other complaint you want to you want to administer before we 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 move on to Chris's stories from jail? Oh well, well I think I gave you the criticism about the reviews, right? You can't read them because they go too fast. Yeah, well, why don't you tell Chris the story about when you went to jail? Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I well this. There was some, uh, yeah, that was that wasn't that funny. <laughs> my friend, my friend Richard was doing a project for school, and he was he was doing a project on the criminal justice system. So he called up the captain at Fort Apache in the Bronx, which maybe where where Chris was in prison. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> he called up the captain at Fort Apache and got permission to film everything from the arrest of the perpetrator to the throwing into prison. So, of course, Richard needed somebody, you know, to be... An actor. He needed needed the perp. So he grabs me. He grabs me. We go up to the Bronx. We go to the police station. And, uh, you know, I'm minding my own business. And a, a policeman gives me some piece of metal. And he tells me to break into this car that's on the corner over there. So I walk over to the car. And I'm trying to figure out how to use this thing to open up the door. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he, he says, stop, and uh, he pulls out his gun, points his gun at me, then he handcuffs me, you know, and, and meanwhile, Richard is filming this whole thing, and then they take me, they take me into a police station, and he handcuffs me to this hot pipe, which is burning my hand, then they take off my belt and my shoelaces, and they throw me into this prison where... I think the last inmate had ripped out a toilet, and the place was a the prison cell was a disaster. And then they slam the door shut, and they walk away. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and and I'm saying yes. I mean, is there anybody coming back? And uh, anyway, I think they left me in there for five minutes or ten minutes, and it felt like it was like a year. Um, so that that was that was part of the uh, me being arrested, and actually I found the picture of it. Oh yeah, David, you saw it, right? I don't know, but you know, Chris was actually in prison for a year, <laughs> and uh, it felt like yeah, five minutes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was the quickest year he ever did. Uh, what do you mean? He did more than one year. That's, he did more than a year. But this is a good segue. This is a good segue. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, you should well, send me the picture of you in the jail. We'll post it. We'll, we'll put it on the Dopey Instagram page. Well, why would I? Why would you guys have to be? Have to be? You guys are kept secret, but you're gonna put my picture out there. We'll, we'll cover your face. We'll dopey up. Oh, the okay. listeners want more personal stuff. This sounds like it could really fit the bill. Well, I, I, yeah, I also I, I should tell you that story about when Richard filmed, you know, me uh, uh, and uh, my friend, the congressman, and that was a funny story, also. 
but anyway, go ahead. Go, Chris in prison. That's all right. I guess you're going to tell the story. It's going to be bad. I wouldn't listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, this is is this your is this episode? It's going to be on like in three or four weeks, though, right? Yeah. Me yeah. on two weeks. All no, right. so, all right, drive home carefully. Be careful. Goodbye, Chris. Good night. Be all right, Dad, thanks for calling. Okay. I love right. you. I'm Bye. sorry you had to wait by the phone looking for your review and all that stuff. It's... Well, I, I, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, are you going to put the review on so the rest of the people could see it? Everybody else knows how to go on iTunes and just read it. Well, I don't have that iTunes. You can go on iTunes with a Samsung phone. You really can. You just have to go on iTunes.com. Oh. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for telling me. All right. So goodbye. Good night, both of you guys. Love to both of you, by the way. All right, Dad. Yeah. All right. I'll yeah. talk to you tomorrow. Good night, Alan. Okay. Bye. Good night. Good night, sister. Bye, bye. Your dad rocks. He's a good man. Yes. He's like a good-hearted, <laughs> nice man. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> He's, you see how upset he was though. He's sitting by the phone. I'm texting him. He doesn't look at his phone. He's on his phone all day, every day. He doesn't look at it. He's just sitting next to. Did you see how angry he was in the beginning? (laughs) He was so mad. I felt like I was on drugs. I felt like I was in big trouble. Did you hear him? Yeah, I did. I can pick up on it. He was upset. Yeah, but I mean, they have people. People listening probably don't understand because they don't know your dad. I mean, he doesn't. When he's upset, it's a mild-mannered upsetness. Well, sometimes. Anyway, now we're going to segue from my father's fake jail story to your very real Tales from Prison. I don't know if I have the energy to do this right now. Well, what else are we going to do? It a lot out of me. All right. Listen, we'll tell a few stories. I'm going to start with first time I did real time, what happened. Um, We'll go into some riots and stuff. How about the first time you texted with big time? Big time. We got to get him on, man. Big time and exclusive. Um, so, yeah, we'll do that one. And then I'll do uh, when I shot meth in jail. With the binky? With the binky, which I've talked about on the show. But, I mean, I should add that. Um, and time I got out. Yeah, I'll just tell some stories. So I'll start with the first time I ever did time. And so I had been to jail before after I robbed a veterinarian, but I got bailed out and I fought this case for years, you know what I mean? And then I finally went down. Oh, the old phenobarbital story. The phenobarbital story. So, but I finally went down and did some time. Um, and there's a huge story with that, which I've told twice. So I'm not going to tell that one again. But I went in for the first time and I was doing six months. And you do, you're supposed to do four months and six months, but you really, I ended up doing like almost five because actually there was a fuck up in the court system and I ended up doing more time because of it. But uh, I came in. It's the first time I'm really spending time in jail, you know, more than like a couple days. And uh, I go in and they're fingerprinting me. And I have on my record, um, my charges were um, a robbery and a strong arm robbery, no, no weapon involved. Um, a robbery, which is like a burglary, except you use force, right? So like I took something like in front of somebody, like I'm taking this, you know, for the, um, the veterinarian clinic and the, and the phenobarbital. It was actually phenylbutazone. But uh, so uh, I have a robbery on my charge list and I have four assaults on police officers, a great bodily injury on police officers, a commercial burglary, a battery, and uh, possession of a controlled substance. I have all this shit. Was the controlled substance the phenylbutazole? No, it was uh, Norcos that I had on me for mm. no prescription. Um, so anyways, I uh, 
You had the Norcos and you wanted more. Yeah, yeah, I just, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So anyways, though, but I have the great bodily injury on the cop and the four assaults what did on the you police do officer. I like nothing, dude. He just tried to, re- he tried to retire from the force saying I hurt him and he couldn't like be, I, I, I definitely like did something and like, I'm not exonerating myself. I'm definitely like a guilty person in the sense that like I attacked the police, but like he wasn't hurt, you know? And it, um, did your parents lawyer ever go after him for lying or for exaggerating? No, they would never, they don't care about that stuff, but I got, I got that charge dismissed. Um, but so anyway, so I have all this shit. And so the guards, they see that and they're going to beat you up because of it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like you have You're a public f- enemy number one. Yeah. You've messed with a, a brother in blue. Yeah. So like, I didn't fucking understand. I, I, I go to get fingerprint. There's this thing called the loop and there's just like every day. This is uh, Orange County Jail in California, which is 5,500 people. It's one of the largest county jails in the country. Um, and you hear Orange County, you think, oh, Newport Beach, like Laguna. But there's a lot of shitty places in Orange County. You know what I mean? It's like a pretty big can be pretty tough jail. It's actually good if you're white because the Mexicans, the Serenos, the Southsiders, they run the jail. So, um, and the whites are allied with the Mexicans. You go to LA County and the blacks run it. And so it's a little bit more chaotic. Why do you suppose the Serenos and, and the woods or the white people are? That's just how it is. South of Sacramento is Serenos and they're allied with the woods, the white people. And then North of Sacramento is the Norteños and the Northsiders and they're allied with the blacks. I don't get it. So who's allied with the whites north of San Diego? It's Once you go to prison, you go all over the state. So it doesn't matter. So it's just always the whites are allied with the Serenios and um, the blacks are allied with the Norteños. But so if you're, how but do if the you're, Norteños but if you're, but if and the Serenios get along? They don't. They're, 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 they're enemies. Uh, but if you're in Orange County Jail, it's all Serenios because the Norteños are up north. Cause, but once you go to prison, then everybody crosses and mixes around the state. So do ever Norteños try to pass for Serenios when they're down south? No, Norteños have long hair and Serenios uh, bick their head. So you can even just tell looking at them. So what if you're a Norteño and you decide to shave your head to fit in? Well, you wouldn't. You'd oh, never get I mean, I guess, no, you Norteños, you'd have to rep. And like, you, I don't know, man. That'd be tough if you're Norteño down there. I bet you it happens all the time. I don't think it happens all the time because I never sell any. <laughs> You wouldn't know because they shave their oh, head. Oh, to blend in. Yeah, but they'd be like, "Where? What gang are you from? Where you know? Like, they'd know. What up, Vato? To you. Yeah. How you doing? Say, Cubo Vato, Cubo lo hijo. Say, pinche puto. What's pinche? I don't know. Pinche puto paisano. Puedo obtener un orden de papas, por favor? Orale, you know what that homie. means? Simon. You know what this means? What? Puedo obtener un orden de papas. You ought cabrón. to have some potatoes. Can you? Give me an order of French fries, cocksucker. Oh. oh. Maricon. Um, so anyways, fucking, uh, so I go in and I'm going through the loop, getting processed, which takes like a day, takes forever. And they go to fingerprint me and I, I'm going up and the guards are all fucking juiced out and angry and like. Fucking, juiced out? Yeah. A lot of them do steroids and they're like, there's like a lot of abuse, at least in Orange County um, with the sheriffs on the inmates. And so I go up and uh, I'm like kind of fucked up. You know, I just ran out of treatment and like um, and a bunch of shit happened. But anyways, I'm going in to do my first sentence and it's six months in jail. And then uh, once I get out, I have to go to rehab for a year, court ordered, and then five years probation, which is a fucking great deal for those charges. So it, was it took two years to get that deal. And so they go to fingerprint me and I'm, and I'm holding it and they don't do like the ink fingerprints anymore. They have this like electronic scanner. Um, and so... 
and they roll your hand along the scanner. And, and so they, they, they hold your hand, they hold your wrist like really fucking tight and he's squeezing my wrist and he's rolling my fingers and he keeps telling me, stop resisting. And I'm like, what? And like, he's like, stop resisting. And he like, I'm like, I, I'm not. And then he just yells at us, stop resisting. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then he says it one more time. And then they take and throw me against the glass, grab the back of my head and slam my face against the plexiglass. Like, fuck, dude, it fucking hurt. And then just twist you up. And then they do this like weird twisting shit with your fingers and stuff. And so there's like attacking me and I have fucking no clue what's going on. I didn't know it was because of my charges. I thought it was because I was doing something wrong with the fingerprint. Are you scared? I, I I was I was more bewildered that I I was like I'm you not, fuck this up. I was like I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fucked up the fingerprints. What's gonna happen when I get to the bed? Yeah, I was like I'm not resisting. You know what I mean? So then they fucking throw me in the cell. They let me sit in there for like another six hours. You know, it was just miserable in the loop. And they go back, and it was so funny. They go back to fingerprint me again, and I had the loosest, most non-resistant fingers in the world. You know, and they fingerprint me, and then they send you to classification, and I'm in classification, and the guy's like. Uh, he's like, I'm putting you, he's like, you're going to be an orange bander. He's like, I'm putting you basically in a higher classification. So the, the jail is, um, it's 80% like white banders, which is general population. And then probably like 15% orange banders or yeah, I'm sorry, maybe a yellow banner, 15% yellow banders, which is people who have done a lot of prison time, almost exclusively people who have been in prison a lot or have violent charges. And then it's like 3%. Um, orange. orange banders, which is like murderers and rapists. And yep, and then like one percent red banders and one percent blue banders. Red banders you never even see; they're going away for life, death row, basically. Uh, blue banders is protective custody, and then orange banders is high-powered gang members, usually. Right, but so, do you think they they gave you cred by giving you the yellow? No, so band. this is what happens. So I go to fucking I, I go. He makes me an orange bander. It's all cell yellow bander. I mean yellow. I'm sorry, yellow bander. And uh, I have some good orange banding stories too. I get to but so he makes me, and you don't see the orange banders usually too. And so he makes me a yellow bander, and I'm sent to this higher classification. It's only cell living, no dorms. And I go in, and I'm in a four man cell, which is like so fucking tiny. Never done any real time. And I uh, go and, and like I'm on the top bunk and I go to like make my bed and they can just fucking tell the way you make your bed like you've never done time and every single person on the tier has done tons of time you know and I'm like fucking new fish don't know what the fuck I'm doing and do they say new fish on the floor what they would they say? say that in the dorms when people would come in and say new fish new fish here it was like much chiller because it's all the things but my bunkie I remember his name was Justin Krause was the first time I was in there and uh, he. Uh, he was the shot caller for the woods. And this is a small tier, only like 32 people on the tier. So, um, but uh, the shot caller or the rep for people listening, it's like the person in charge of that race. So this jail, weren't you, Are you still friends very, with Justin Krause on Facebook? I tried friending it. He actually ended up going to prison circuitously years later because of me. I gave him a bunch of syringes. We met like years later outside of jail. He beat somebody up and then got caught with the syringes and it violated his parole and he served his sentence. So anyways, I'm in this fucking cell and, um, they, they, and I'm being, I'm, I'm like just being funny and trying to make people laugh. And like, uh, and this guy, at the, this is the first time I mean, it took me about a day to get here, but it's my first night in my actual like lodgings, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's this guy at the end of the tier and he's yelling, uh, his name is Olson. I still remember this is his first night. He's yelling, he goes, fuck the niggers, fuck the spicks, fuck the red and white, like all this shit. Right. What's the red and white? The red and white is Hell's Angels. And so 
and he's a white guy, and I haven't even seen him. He's in cell four. I'm in cell one. And it's all along a, a t- like a, a tier, a hallway. So I just hear him yelling that. And so basically, what happens is a white guy, since he's white, has to beat him up because since he's insulting other races, it could cause a race riot. Right. So. The shot caller's like, fuck this fucking Olsen. Like, now I got it because the shot caller, it's his duty to take care of it, you know? And he's like, I got to fucking do something. And he turns to me, he's like, hey, like, new fish. He's like, you want to be my falcon? He's like, oh, you want to take care of this guy for me? And I'm like, yeah, like, why not? Like, sure. And I was like, I was like <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking terrified, dude. It was the first night. And I'm like, what the do I. The first night he asked the you first to be the, fucking. Like, I've been there for three hours, right? You will be my falcon. Yeah. And I will he be. He was a fucking really funny guy. The he, falconer. He had, he, he, was, he, had a, he had a swastika on his arm. And I was like, later on, I asked him, what, he was in AA for years and he got sober. And I asked him what that's about. Because he didn't seem like a, a racist person, and I guess he just like threw a bunch of he threw a bunch of tattoo art in the air at this tattoo parlor, and whatever landed, he was going to get, and the swastika landed somewhere, and he got it because that's what he said. But that was his story, at least. So anyways, he's like, he's like, I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. I was like, what do I need to do? And he's like, well, he's like, when they pop the doors for Chow tomorrow morning, he's like, just run down, beat him up, and then take his bed. Uh, his mattress and throw it out on the tier and he's like I'll handle the rest and what happens is the shot caller is actually friends with the guards and they'll go up to the guards and be like look you gotta roll Olsen out he's causing trouble it's gonna create a riot and the guards will actually listen to the shot caller because they just want to fucking sit and watch TV they don't want riots going off because the, the shot callers actually try to keep the peace so they they actually work with the guards right so so I'm like uh, uh, I'm like, so I just beat I'm like who is he he's like Big guy with the beard, cell four. Like, all right. Like, so I sit on my bunk and all fucking night I don't go to sleep. I'm like sitting Indian side on my bunk, like, what the fuck have I gotten myself into? And like, you know. How long you'd been clean at that point? I'd use that day. I'd use before, literally right before I went in, I'd use. Heroin? Um, I had used heroin and ecstasy for, I don't know, I, I don't know why, I, I like ecstasy's in my stories a lot. I didn't really use a lot, but for some reason I had used ecstasy that day. Um, so you're, you're but like 24 hours ago at this point. So you're know? starting to, you're maybe you're a little twitchy. I was so on, just cause I was like, I didn't, it was the first time and I was like, you're going to have to sit up a little bit. I don't think they can hear you like that. You're not going to sit up. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll angle. I'll angle the mic to your microphone. Dave's laying down on the couch and is just checked out. I'm here. All right. So fucking. Where am I at the story? Oh, so I'm on the bunk all fucking night. Right. But I'm asking if you're twitchy and like some sort of pseudo withdrawal. No, I was so amped up about I think what was going on that I didn't nothing touched me. You know. Oh man, um, that would be so scary. And I had been using a lot. I had ran out of treatment and used for a few days. How many people would you say at that point in your life you'd beaten up? I wasn't like a huge fighter. I got in fights though, yeah, for sure. Have you ever had to beat somebody up? What do you like, what like, does that mean? Like in, in in private school, I can yeah, imagine. we would get we would go out and get in like fights uh, sometimes. But it was like we were drunk and we did it at like parties. But you would find some kid and you'd be like, "Hey, homie." I need you to rub out Chad over there. And you'd be like, all right, I'm going to kick his ass and throw his bed into the hall. I mean, have you ever been had to no, target no, nothing, somebody no, and fucking nothing, rough them up? No, nothing like that. Yeah. No, nothing. So, so I mean, that must be a fucking scary scenario. You've never done anything I was like terrified. I was fucking What were you thinking? Were you thinking I'm going to tap him on the shoulder and punch him in the face? I didn't know. I was so scared, dude. I sat on my bunk the whole night and didn't go to sleep. 
So the next morning, Chow's at like 5 a.m. You're waiting. And this is old school. This isn't plexiglass. There's uh, there's like three jails. What do they serve for Chow? Um, like, oh, it's actually really well-balanced meals. They're just not very caloric. You get like everything. You get like an orange and oatmeal and like bread. You always get like three pieces of bread. And you get like uh, a carton of milk. Did you like calling it chow instead of breakfast? You have to just eat, dude. They give you like two minutes to eat if you go to chow hall. Eventually, I was in a cell where they deliver the food to you. Um, but Anyway, so that's chow time. Yeah, so no, so the chow time. What happens is chow time. Everybody stands and waits in their cell for the door to open. And they pop the door open. You go out. You take a left on the tier. And you walk down to go to chow. And, so, and then you, they eat immediately and go right back to your cell and then go back to sleep. And so I'm fucking standing first person in the door and then there's three people behind me um, in the cell, uh, the shot caller and then the two other guys. And I'm fucking terrified. I'm like, what the fuck? I go beat up Olsen. And uh, they roll the doors open for Chow. I run out to the right and I'm, I, I'm not running down the tier, but I'm like walking briskly. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like if you run, they're going to know something's up. And uh, the fucking guy, Justin, the shot caller, my bunkie, passes me. And he runs into cell four where Olsen was. And the other dudes that were with Olsen, the other, his other three cellmates, immediately run out of the cell. I, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on because these guys have done so much time. They just knew the deal. They knew what was happening. Right. And so they immediately They exit. probably knew it was going to happen the yeah, second they knew this gonna, guy said it that night. Yeah. So they immediately run out. Justin goes in first and I go behind Justin. He just fucking wallops him once on the side of the face. Justin, the other guy, hits him. The guy immediately balls up on his bunk. You know what I mean? Like puts his hand over his thing and Justin just starts wailing him, like punching on him. I literally sneak one weak ass girly punch like around Justin and like tap the guy on the back. I do nothing like at all. Right. And then we come out on the tier and everybody's like, yeah, new fish, (laughs) new fish, new fish. Everybody's like, good job. I was like. It just Thank like, you. worked out very nicely in my in my favor. And I think through my bunkie, I think he knew how nervous I was, and he was actually like a decent guy. So what would you say? Did you say, yeah, I kicked the shit out of him? I didn't say anything. And then it actually got and then they got a little I didn't understand. I, I like I was only in that cell for like two weeks and then they moved me somewhere. That else. must have been a good cell though, because the guy was a good guy. He's a shot caller, nah, he's looking there was out beef. for you. There was some drama with the other guy in the cell. Um which I think he he was older. He'd been in like fucking um, level four yards. Um, there's another guy that was in the cell who didn't step up. This older guy. He'd been level four, level four yards. It's like no hands policy, meaning if you get in a fight with somebody, you stab them. There's no fighting with hands. And so he'd done time like that. And I think he got like resentful. That why? I, what do you mean? Like why he was classified would... at such a high level. No, no, no. Oh, no. why level? Because it's like we don't want any little shit. Like it's not like little bickering. We're going to go out and fight with it. It's like if you have an issue, you, you take it to the point where you stab somebody. Right. So that actually keeps a piece. Do they call it shanking or stabbing? It's shanking someone. But they, it actually keeps a, a certain level of peace because it's like we're going to work this shit out or it's going to be next level stuff. So anyways, this guy had done time like that. And I think he started to resent me because I was this fucking truck kid who couldn't even make his bed right. Who went out and like did something. So he kind of started picking on me a little bit. And I thought it was like joking. And in retrospect, if if I don't want to say if I'd done it today, but if a year and a half later, if the same thing had happened with that guy, I would have attacked him. Um because I didn't really understand he was like disrespecting me. I don't know. I don't want to get in all this. So that was the first night though, all right. You would have attacked him. 
yeah, a year and a half later, if he had spoken to me some of the ways he did, and like I thought he was just being like like silly with me, you know what I mean? Um, I would have like gotten his face because it's you don't speak to people the way he was speaking to me. I speak to you horribly all the time. You never get in my face. Yeah, well, it changed. Do you ever think about shanking me? <laughs> All right, so that was uh, that was the first night, right? So what happened to the dude, the the guy who got sent out of the, the cell? Olson, I don't know. I never saw him again. No, no, no. no the other guy, the guy Justin, who disrespected you. No, yeah, Olson. What happened to him? Uh, the he didn't. The guy who disrespected me. He was name was Billy, um, and uh, I remember all their names. Even though it's like I met so many other people, but just because it was the first time, Billy. Um, oh, first of all, he disrespected me once. And then one of the Mexicans was like, why you got to talk to Chris like that? And uh, his name is Bam Bam from Alley Boys. Uh, and uh, I remember he was like shocked at this Mexican because this other guy, Bam Bam, we would kick it all day. He was on the top bunk across from me and he said something. And then like at that point, I understood like I needed to like not let him like joke with me in the way he was joking with me, you know, Um but uh, I don't know what happened to Billy. I, I so saw what did you say to him? I got transferred. I didn't say anything. I just I got transferred to a, a higher to a different facility, same classification, but it was like a newer facility that was a supermax, where you're in like uh, these glass cells and shit, right? And it's like a big room with like these different mods, and then like a, be a snowed out bubble, and there's two people per cell, but there's pure plexiglass doors, and I could see Billy. For months, um, he was totally across it, and he would give me, um, he would give me this like the hail Hitler fucking salute, and I'd just be like, whatever. You hailed him back? <laughs> no, I give him like the peace sign. I'm like, I'm not gonna fucking do that, you know. Um, Hold on though, when you're you're living in jail, yeah. What are you thinking? I'm thinking. Um, I'm gonna get out in a year. No, this was six months. I was thinking more that I needed to handle it well. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't. I wasn't depressed. The last time when I went in for a year, I got depressed. Uh, the first month, I was really sad. I was just because I'd already done it, and it wasn't like the nervousness about assimilating to it made it heightened my like. It was anxiety. a new experience. Or, yeah, I wasn't ever like doing time. It was mostly just like I want to do this like well, you know. And then by the end, it was like I already got the deal. I knew what to do, and then, then I got depressed. Um, I can still sign. You know that. What is that? It's hard for me to do it. Um, I'm signing today. Uh, when you're in the glass cells, you speak with each other by just you just do the alphabet really, really fast. You but, spell things out. You spell things out, but so you, I can do it really. Are fast. prisoners like amazing spellers? Then? Oh my god, they could do it so. F- uh, you mean it actually? Like yeah, yeah, like do they do they spell everything right? No, but one of my hustles was my dad would give me fifty bucks a week for, uh, and he wasn't very good about doing it every week for commissary. But one of my hustles later on was is I wrote letters to the judge for people who are like illiterate. Do you know what I mean? Because you could write a letter and give well, it. How to would attorneys. they sign though if they're illiterate? No, they, they weren't like they just were idiots. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, like, let's no, say I, no, no. And, and this was in general population. The only time I had to sign was when I was in the higher classification because you're behind plexiglass right. stores. In general population, you're in like a barracks, like a big room. You know what I mean? It's different. But I'm saying, like, how Dude, in, in, when I got put in the supermax, you only had fucking. Uh, it's it's not it's a supermax design. You only had you only had movement. Right, movement is how many people are in a room with seven people at a time. And they never had uh, Mexicans and uh, and blacks or whites and blacks in the same room at the same time. So I was never in the same room. There was a group of black guys on the same tier as me 
in cells for four months and I never talked to them once and I, they never would actually open their cell and open my cell at the same time. And they would never let seven of us be in a room at the same time. That's how fucking they would lock it down. So anyways, I'll, I'll continue on before we get any other stuff. Later on, I'm in, uh, I get this, my first cell, he was great. I actually wrote an article about him. I'm friends with his wife on Facebook. Real sad story. You're draining quick, so I'm not going to go into his. No, no, no. I'm, 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 he was just an amazing dude, just a straight drug addict. He was fucking like ripped, covered in tattoos, but um, just a genuinely good person. Um, and he had just done all this fucking time. He was 38 and spent 18 years in prison. And he was just like a junkie who, because it was California, anytime he had like the tiniest charge, he would get like these huge, huge sentences. So anyways, I got to know that guy like really well. And then he moved out and I got a new fucking Sally who was just this this hothead kid named Eddie. And uh, he knew how to make Pruno, like hooch. And what he would do is uh, you'd like basically hoard fruit. It worked best with pears and... You'd let it like uh, ferment um, or rot, and were then... you so excited when you heard that this guy could make Pruno? Was that like the most exciting thing that happened to you in jail? Well, this was still the first time, so like I wasn't that like into. <laughs> you know what it, it was like being a kid again. I wasn't that into like trying to get high as much as I was just like wanted to be like crazy. I, I just wanted to be like it was more like having an identity as a you as to be a, accepted it, yeah it was like being accepted and having an identity and like, like having friends and then I, I learned from this experience with this kid Eddie that what I did was like a recipe for disaster and like it could have go could have got really really bad so anyways Eddie we make the pruno we get drunk a few times you make it in your toilet and shit and then Eddie tells me that one of his his friends who's doing like 10 years in prisons girlfriend can get a happy card in and this is the binky thing and so a happy card is a, a card sprayed with a bunch of meth you can get like up to like almost an eight ball on a card and so on a card on a card yeah they soak the card in like uh just like in like liquid like meth mixed with water and it soaks it up and they send it in you're like now you're speaking my language Yes, so so fucking, um, I go to, my girlfriend would visit me on uh, Saturday and Sunday, and you speak through the glass, and they monitor, you know, like the phones, so I write on a piece of paper, send, you know, $150 to this address, and we're talking on the phone, and I hold the paper up to the window, and she writes down the address, and so she mailed it, and so like a few weeks later, we got the happy card in, and so I'm with this kid, Eddie, who's pretty cool, he's from Anaheim, you know, a Puerto Rican dude. Um, who ran with the Southsiders, and I'm like, we end up fucking tweaking, right? And, uh, and when I'm, he got meth in jail, were you like, this is my wheelhouse? Like, I understand uh, this. No, not really. I mean, I got it, and then I just I'm tweaking in a cell. It was not. It was bad. We got the we got a jailhouse syringe, which I use. I'm so fucking lucky. I haven't contracted hepatitis C, C yeah, or anything. I don't know how the fuck I've made it without doing that. The, the, the syringe itself, I've said this before, stop doing that, man. You really got to stop and pay attention. You're just fading. I, that's why I got coffee. All right, good. Um, where was I? <laughs> You're tweaking in the cell with I was Eddie. In the cell, yeah. So we got the 
the fucking binky and the the syringe. A binky is a syringe. It's literally the only part that's an actual syringe is the metal piece. It's a pen shaft, a piece of an afro pick, elastic from um, shorts, a sandwich baggie, piece of a shower sandal. It's made into a syringe, which has probably been up anywhere from three to ten people's anuses to be hidden when they do sell And yet if I share your vape, you're crazy to <laughs> fucking wipe the thing off. So anyways, we fucking start tweaking me and Eddie in the cell and fucking, um, I, I'm talking to him. I have this huge fucking beard and uh, I say something like on my mother's life and his mother was dead and my mom's not and like he just fucking snaps. And keep in mind, I am covered in staph. I had like a really bad staph infection. It was like going up my neck. It was all over my arms. These big open like scabs. And uh, we fucking start fighting, right? And uh, he ended up winning. He got me into like a headlock. And then uh, we didn't like continue it. But I re- like, after that whole thing with Eddie, I remember being like, this is like fucking dangerous. Like these people like are dangerous. Cause I just said something and he was like this cool, good dude. And he just fucking snapped. And you know so that if quickly. you could just say one thing that trigger, it's like the trigger of violent death. Yeah. And it was like, holy, I just, and you I, don't even know what you said. You mean, just said you, something that you could just say casually. Yeah, And he was super chill and it just activated some trauma. He had to say something. Just, he had to attack you. It, yeah, it activated this fucking trauma. But they, I did. You know what's funny is I, we didn't square off like and just like duke it out. We like kind of went into like a wrestling thing, and I picked him up and got him on his back, and then somehow he got his arm around my head, and I kept on shaking. And finally, he told me to stop. Um, but I mean, I was. Uh, my point is, I was just fucking scared. I was like, at that point, I was like, dude, I can't fucking be messing around with drugs like this because I don't know these people. And after that, I went to jail two more times after that. As opposed to all the people you smoked crack with in the hotel rooms. Yeah, you knew that. You knew them so well. <laughs> yeah. um, but you weren't locked into a terrible cell with them. I wasn't locked into a cell with them. Um, oh, you know what's bad, too, is that I got out of jail and I'd been that girl had been visiting me. This is an older woman that I had told you about. I never had sex with her. We never slept together, and uh, we um, we hooked up. When I got a gen, I was like, I had the staff on me. Like, dude, I can't like do anything. She like really wanted to, and so I saw a dermatologist, and they'd started seeing me. And <laughs> first of all, you're not supposed. There's a button in the cell, and there's buttons in the dorms, and there's buttons in the cell, which calls the guards. And you never push. That's like the number one. Never push the button. If you push the button. You're going to get smashed by the guards. They're going to come beat the shit out of you. And the staff got so bad on me. And this was actually with Eddie. I was like, Eddie, like, I got to push the button. Like, this is so bad. I was like seeing the doctor and he was like, giving me like Neosporin and Advil. And it was literally like, sp- and staff can kill you. It was like spreading everywhere. I was like, this is, I got to fucking see them. He's like, I, was, like, I think I'm going to push the button. And even Eddie was like, I don't know, man. Like, you never push the button. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm, I wasn't sleeping. I pushed it. And it's, Second I pushed it, they're like, what the fuck do you want? Like yelling at me on the thing. And uh, I was like, I need to see the doctor. And it just clicks off. And then like a minute and a half later, the guard comes running down the tier and looks in it. The staff was so bad. He took one look at me and he's like, we'll get you to the doctor immediately and walks away. And then I saw them and the doctor, he just like shotgunned. He gave me like fucking like ketoconazole and like fucking he just gave me everything he gave me like um 
antibiotics, steroids, like antifungal, it just, which is like dangerous to do that. Um, it started to get a little better. Anyways, I got out, hooked up with the chick. She contracted the staff that I had. And then the staff that she got was like, uh, antibiotic or like resistant. medication resistant. So like she had it like almost like it never like really got better. And like then mine went away. And I told her I was giving. Yeah. Oh, so the button. This I'm sorry. This is just, just sort of another button story. So then like two years later, I'm doing a one year sentence and I'm in, they put me down to general pop. So I'm in regular dorms with like 150 people. Um, you can play cards and talk on the phones and stuff like that. God, I have so many. I could literally do this for like three episodes. I have so many fucking crazy stories. I one one thing I'll say is, I have never in my life laughed as hard as I've laughed in jail. I literally the funniest shit I have ever seen in my life has been in jail. Like a deep, long belly laughs until like my abs were sore the next day because there's. It's not prison. You get some like if you're in general population, you get like winos and crazy people, and they're in there with like gang members. It's just like crazy shit happens. Um, so there's this one kid in there. I don't know what his diagnosis was. He was fucking nuts, right? And he comes over. There's this was a couple years later. There's and I was in a cube with twelve people, but you can freely walk into the different cubes. It's like a basically a gymnasium cut in half, right? And this kid and the shot caller happened to be in my cube. There's like twelve cubes, and our cube had twelve people um, in the storm. And so he comes in. And he goes <laughs> goes up to the shot caller. He's like. I'm so hungry. He's like, I'm going to push the button. And the button is in the middle of the room. And at this point, you're not supposed to go into the middle of the room. Like the day room's closed. And people have given this kid food, but he's just like weird and crazy. And uh, they're like, <laughs> it's not even going to be that funny when I tell it. And, uh, the shot caller is a kid, Tyler. He's like, dude, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, no, you don't push the button. He's like, no, he's like, I'm so hungry. I'm going like, to push the button. He's like, no, you don't push the button. And the kid's like, I really want to. And he's like, you know what? He's like, push the button. And so the kid walks out into the day room, right? And there's this bubble and there's, you know, there's 144 people or whatever in the side of the dorm. The bubble's blacked out so you can't see anything. And they get on the loudspeaker and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, get back to your bunk. And he keeps walking over to the button and they're literally like, do not push the button. They're just saying it over the loudspeaker and he just keeps going. I'm like, I think he's going to push the button. They're like, do not push the button. And he goes up and literally he goes to touch it. And like this second he touches it, there's a door right next to it. They just swing it open and just beat the shit out. <laughs> He just needed a beating. He's like, push button for beating. <laughs> he wanted a fucking sandwich or something. He was hungry. There was, dude, there's other guys. So you would, <laughs> I was kind of a dick too back then. There was this guy, I remember it was Steve Kotke. This is when I was in cell living, right? And he was like, there's these people who like, kind of like, like Bible thumpers. They go to jail and they're praise Jesus, praise Jesus. And then they leave and they're back in like two weeks, right? So this guy, Steve Kotke. And please keep in mind, I was a different human being back then. And he's kind of nuts. And uh, and for cell living, you would go get your tray and bring it back to your cell. And what happens is they pop your cell, like for like a few of you, like you know, like seven of you, and you go get your trays and you come back to your cell. And then they pop like another seven or eight and they, and they go down or whatever. And so if you wanted to, someone in your in your dorm... If you wanted to leave them like a bag, like a you know, with some soups or something, you could leave it out, and then when they got their their fucking meal, they could um, they could bring it back to their cell. So I go to get my tray, and I'm like Steve. I like call him out. You know, he's in his plexiglass thing, and I put down a bag, right? 
And the guy had no, had no extra food. You know, I had some money from commissary. Well, I'm so I, just, I just was like a dickhead. And so I put in the, the brown paper bag all my trash. So it was just like empty candy wrappers and like bullshit, right? And so I leave it out for him. And Why I, did you do that? Because I was just a fucking dickhead. I don't well, know. Hold on, hold on. Because I thought it was funny. I don't know. So You left him garbage. I left him garbage. In gar- jail. I left him garbage and I put it out and he thinks it's like me leaving him soups and, and Why would you do that? Because I was a dickhead. So he fucking goes, I'll tell you other shit for you. So he goes and gets his tray and he gets, he picks up the bag and he comes back to my cell and he's like, God bless you, Chris. He's like, you have a heart of gold. What did you think then? I was like, <laughs> I felt kind of bad, I think, when he said that. And so he goes back to his cell, and I can't see it, and he opens it up, and it's just garbage in his thing, right? Um, and then, so Steve was very neurotic, right? And then he was like, you could fish. So what happens is a little crack underneath. Wait, this was your second sentence? This was my first sentence, actually. Okay. This so is when I was trying to like make it a name when I was doing crazy shit. But the other times I wouldn't do this stuff. I was like trying to be, I was shooting meth, I was drinking hooch, I was doing crazy stuff. So fucking, you can also fish. And so what that means is you take your bed sheets, you cut them out, and you make these long strings. And um, sometimes people will put like a candy bar and you just throw, there's like a little crack underneath your door. And you throw the line out which is like a bed sheet, you know, it's a string you made with maybe like a, something tied to the end, like a, like a, maybe a baby powder thing. And you get it like hooked on it and you, you gently pull it in. It's a way to like get stuff in the middle of the room if someone puts it out there. Or what you do is you shoot your line out. Another cell shoots their line out, which is right down the tier and you get them tangled and then you can communicate with each cell. Are you following this? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I yell out of like, I'm like, Steve, shoot your line. So he like shoots his line out. I shoot my line out. We get him tangled. So this way we have this long piece of string that goes from cell to cell and we can put notes on it and communicate with each other. And so Steve is like super high edge. He's probably like 45, 50, right? He's a meth user. I was kind of fucked up some of his personal history. We've been in prison a bunch, but he's always like nervous about like what's going on. Like what's the politics? You know what I mean? Like who's, you know, why would you be, why'd you single out Steve so much? Because Steve was just weird and crazy. You just knew I you was just, did. It was a whole fucking bully dynamic. I, I, I wasn't Steve bullying. was the one guy you could bully. No, but he was like other people. You know what, though? He fucking called somebody out. He actually ended up getting moved from herself for fighting his celly. I was just like, I don't know. I, I was actually like kind of friends with him, but I just was like a dickhead. I, I don't know. I was a bad person at this period. Are you friends with Steve on Facebook now? <laughs> he does not use Facebook, I'm sure. So fucking, anyways, I'm like, Steve, shoot your line, right? So he shoots at his line, and uh, I I was like, um, what was the first thing I said to him? I said, Steve, I was like, this is me and my Sally doing it. We're, we're like, and he's super on edge and nervous. I'm like, Steve, I just want you to know people are talking, and that's all I put. And I sent the note back to him. And so and like, you tug it, so notice he knows to pull it in, you know? So he pulls it in, and he's like, oh, I'm just picturing him in his cell. Like, people are talking. I'm like, what does that mean? And so he sends it back. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like... And I write in the next one, like, Steve, like, can't talk. I'm like, people are watching. And so he gets it back, and then we just cut the line and pull it back in his cell. So he's just sitting in his cell all night, fucking terrified. And Steve never got to exact revenge on you. No. I guess before I went in, he tried to, like, force somebody to give him tobacco or something. It's so fucking... Dude, there's literally 50 stories like this, I can tell you. Just all night, and we were. I, I'll tell. I'll tell some more another time. We'll do a jail part two. You're very lucky that you got out of it in one piece. 
But you got out of it at all. Dude, I was, it was so, I, I got, this is actually, I got to get real for a second. So there's this, I'm in no way a racist person or anything like that. And I started, when I started spending more and more time and I didn't spend a lot all together. It's not even two years, you know? Um, I, uh, it's two years. You'll never get back. It's a long time. Yeah. But it's also not that long, but like, I remember, I remember specifically this one thing and I was in them. It's not that long compared to somebody that has 20 years or 30 years or their life, yeah, but, I, but I, it's I, long enough. But I, I want to explain this one thing. Cause it's like, you know, me, I am, I like all people, I'm a people pleaser and stuff like that. And I, I was in this desegregated dorm where there was blacks, Asians, Mexicans, Southsiders, and Paisanos, and the whites, the woods, and there's skinheads, comrades. And Paisanos. Like, Paisanos. Those are like the border-jumping Mexicans from Mexico. And they do their own thing. They make cheese under their bed. And <laughs> <laughs> Is the cheese good? Yeah, it's actually not bad. It tastes like feta cheese. And they're, they're, they're actually the vibe. I play cards with them and stuff. What? You're like, hey, home. They were all about trading. They always had nothing. Like, they, they had nobody putting money on their books, but they always had so much stuff because they were so, like, industrious where they would just, like, wash people's clothes and they just had all these hustles on the side. Uh, so fucking, I, um, anyways, I remember being in there and uh, it's, it's like it, it, when I was in the desegregated dorm and there was um, black people in there. If a black person like offers me some chips and I eat some chips, um, I'll get I'll get beat up by a white guy. There's no sharing with black people. There's no playing games with black people, um, and uh, so I wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? And actually, it's funny. One of the guys there who's in my cube actually with me would always like try to get me to play games because he knew like I didn't give a shit. Like I wasn't about that, you know. But I remember being in there and um, the brothers would their card table was like near the bubble, and they would get really loud and. Uh, I remember being pissed and I remember just saying like they are only like doing that because it's near the bubble and like they know they're protected. But near the bubble is near the guards. I'm like they know they're protected because the guards are close. And I remember the way I said they in my head. Like there was like – it was racially charged. It was the seeds of It was hatred. fucking legit hatred and, and I remember thinking that and, and then I remember thinking like – I can see how people get there. Do you know? Sure. And and that first time, this was later on even, but that first time I was You're in there, living by this racist code. Yeah. And but and then the first time and being the stuff with Steven is like I started to get like concerned with respect. Do you know what I mean? It's like I did like the, the I think my my MO the what I aspire to the greatest human emotion is love. And it's like I can see how people who spend a lot of time in prison Fear and respect becomes a replacement for love, and they get from fear and respect what other people try to get from love. And that's it's like a synthetic opiate. It's like a synthetic opiate, and it's just like I—I uh, I just can see how people get so lost up, and like it's just so—I'm just so grateful, like for my family and my parents. It's so funny. The first guy from those two weeks, Bam Bam, when I was making the cell, the guy from Alley Boys who like stood up for me that first time. He's like, you know, what's going to be funny. This is what he said. He's like, you know, it's going to be funny. He's like. You know, 10 years from now, he's like, I'm going to be, you know, at San Quentin or Folsom or Chino or some Pelican Bay or something. And he's like, and I'm just going to see Chris and he's just going to be yoked out, sleeved up, tatted down, representing the woodpile or something. As he was basically saying, I was going to get turned out and to like, you know, just get in, be about that life. And I could see how that could happen to somebody. Do you know what I mean? Because you just get broken off with these crazy amounts of time. And if I had kept that mentality that I had that first time that I was in jail and done a serious sentence and not had people who had loved me, I would have become a product of the system and I could have turned into something like that. Some uber prisoner, uber fucking white 
prisoner. Yeah. What does a nice Jewish boy do if they're in jail? They join up with the I white supremacists? I actually don't remember any Jewish guys in there. They, there must do, have been some. Do they shave their head and talk Spanish and pretend they're Serenios? <laughs> there actually is Woodsiders. So if you're black, uh, there's no like white people who run with the blacks. But there's white people who run with the Serenios, um, the Southsiders. They call them Woodsiders. And it's so weird. They'll come in and they'll be like white. And you'll be like, hey, what's up, dude? And they'll be like, orale, homie. Like, they'll speak because they grew up in the barrio. They grew up, like, in, like, a, yeah. a Mexican neighborhood. And all their friends were Mexican. And when they go to jail, they run with the Mexicans. And so the Mexicans will let that happen. They'll Because they know who's who. Yeah, and then the Mexican will allow, like, I have so many. I could tell you Woodsider stories, too, for days. It's a miracle that, um, that your life got uh, better. And it's a miracle that I never had to go to a place like that. Like I did, I did. Oh my! If you had to go to Rikers, dude, Rikers. So, yeah, there's crazy racial shit and these crazy stories from Orange County. Rikers is just fucking different, though. It's like from what I understand, I haven't been there. You're so lucky you never ended up doing real time. Todd did time at Rikers. He's got some crazy stories. Did he? Yeah, the stories that he would tell, like I I didn't even believe them. I think it's just a shithole too. It's just like very crappy. I never, I never like made it past uh, Central Booking. Yeah, you were in the pre the the, the like tomb. substations and shit. Yeah, in, in central booking, but I, you know, like and it felt like jail enough to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was as close as I ever wanted to come to jail, and like, so I'm so f- fucking lucky that it never got past there. But and I don't know what the fuck would happen. You know, was there? You do fine. So this, this is what it is. It's basically fucking high school popularity contest with an edge there's just a violent edge and whatever your strong suit is is you can play up to it i mean like towards the end i'd just be sort of quiet and read a lot but i was always like the like kind of like the funny guy actually in the dorms they had so there was just a shot caller for like the higher security stuff but in the in general population with the dorms there was these different roles there was a shot caller for every race then there was a right hand like for every race think like vice president then there was a house mouse for every race and then there was What's the house mouse? The house mouse is the guy who like helps clean the dorm and shit like that and like he like new fish come in he, he scurries around and gets shit together. Yeah, it's like it's actually I mean it's like yeah, it's definitely not a respectable thing but it's also like a good position it could be to have. But they actually anyways, so this shit went down and they asked me they're like like Chris like this old guy red was the shot caller. He's like Chris, you're going to be the right hand and I was like no, like I, I can't. And he's like oh yeah, it's an hour. We'll see wrap it up. Let's how about this? If you want to hear Jail Stories Part 2, I can do it. Because no, we're going to do it. I we're, could do another hour on this. We're going to do Jail Stories Part 2. Uh, but fucking write a review, why don't you? We're supposed to read an email. I didn't even find one. Should we do an email? You do the one... Um, oh, shit. What's her name emailed? Who? Um, Laura Victoria Albert. Who's that? Uh, J.R whatever Who? she said when the person we were going to have on the show um jt Leroy. um now um we can't ever call it she said just posted about it what the fuck does that mean just chill out um hold on pause it just pause it please oh hold on all right you did not pull me did you ever think about writing um, writing a book about it? What do you mean? I wrote an article for Salon. Did you write about this stuff? 
Yeah. What'd you write about? I wrote about all. It's a whole article about my first cellmate, uh, Mike. The guy just was a really good dude in his situation. Justin Schlegs. No, not Kraus. It was um, his name's Mike. The guy said he was a really good dude. He spent 18 years in prison. Um, I just wrote about his life and what the situation was and what a spoiled brat I am. And you didn't tell the story about the time you roughed up the Asian guy. Oh, I didn't. That'll be Jail Stories Part 2. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read an email and we're going to be done. Uh, this is an email uh, that we got from some Canadian guy or girl. Is it a guy or a girl named Sylvain? I don't know. I don't know. Have Sylvain? I heard this one? I don't even know if I've yeah. heard it. Yes. Ow. Are you a guy or a girl? This I'm, I'm reading this in honor of my father, who thought this was really funny. Hi, guys. First of all, thanks for your show. The way you talk about drugs is hand down, hands down the most candid I've heard. You don't hide the bad, but you are not preaching or admonishing. Your tone is fresh. It's a novel way to truthfully describe what living with addiction is about. The stories themselves are enough for anyone to understand addiction is a terrible thing. Just like you say in your podcast description, it really is a dark comedy. One thing I really love about the show is that you turn several common beliefs about addiction on their heads. I will elaborate on one of these only, namely, addiction fries your brains. I was seriously convinced that the amount of drugs you both used would have cut your IQ down by at least half. I thought multi-addicts, after even just a few years of constant use, ended up communicating with a couple hundred words, half of them curses, or drug-related. A dozen hand gestures and grunts. In particular, I thought crack use, even in small amounts, would badly deteriorate your brain. You both proved me so wrong. You guys are extremely articulate, way, way over the average of even non-users. You really do not expect a multi-addict or ex-multi-addict's vocabulary to be so rich as to include words like pristine, reiterate, and platitudes. What about turpitude? On a side note, Dave's dad use of the word turpitudes <laughs> brought me great joy. Dispelling myths is an important task for the general public to understand the reality of drug use. Your podcast does that really well. Keep it up. Love you guys. Sylvain. Nice. Would you say Sylvain is a man or a woman? I think it's Sylvini. Why would you say that? Because she's Italian. You think it's an Italian woman... From I Toronto. I think it's a... I don't know what it... Man. I think your jail stories are incredibly uh, scary and crazy to know you. And also to know, like, we're sitting in one of your parents' houses. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're talking about being covered with staph infection or the time that the Nazi sent you Dude, to go beat up I, the fucking old other Nazis. When I went to go fucking um, see the dermatologist after I got out of jail with the staph infection... The dermatologist was like, can I please get a picture of you for my records? He's like, this is really bad. But that must have given <laughs> you street cred, too. Anything really bad that happened to you in there it was probably good in some way. Well, it created this huge thing because I used a syringe and I had staff. And then there people were like, he has staff. He used a syringe. And I was like, it's external. It's internal. It's okay. Or something. Well... Oh, my God, dude. I, I didn't want to get into this. It's taking a lot out of me talking these stories and getting into it without... Succumbing to, to what? Well, I wanted to say like exciting. You know, I felt like I got into it, but it's just a lot to talk about. Yeah, even start. There's so many fucking stories. Time I got taxed, shut the whole fucking. Literally, nobody for the entire day could take a shower or use the day room because I remember that story because you had somebody stay in your bed. Yeah, we'll tell that in part two. I had somebody stay in my bed. I was on lockdown, and I had somebody pretend to be on my bunk so I could go out and use the day room, and they figured out what I was doing, and it got bad. 
I think the dark comedy of prison could be a great podcast. Oh my god, you could do a great po- I, podcast with prisoners. And think of the shit, all the shit I have in just a short period. But like, this, oh my god, that kid Eddie, if he could tell stories, he went at the oh, this is crazy, dude, crazy stuff. All right. It was exciting. That's the thing. Is I'm a total. I, I was addicted to the edge. So there was this fucking undercurrent of just like insanity that was like addictive, almost in there. And not to mention the riots were like fun. I like wanted it to pop off. It's very, very, very similar to drugs themselves for for a sheltered person. It's like all of a sudden what you're doing is real, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's these things. That you only saw on TV or in movies or in books, and all of a sudden it's in your life. Yeah. I mean, it's like a very short-sighted, immature way to look at it, but I can imagine, like, that having some sort of allure. Yeah. Like, because you're part of something, like, that's way out of your depth, and it's now it's your depth. Yeah. You know, it's transformative, and it's scary. Yeah. But um, we'll do a part two. Well, email us if you want a part two. I'm not going to do it unless people email us. Or write a review. Write a positive review of Chris's incredible prison stories. Okay, that's it. All right, stay strong, stay Dopey strong, Nation. Dopey Nation. I wanna take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good? Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I wanna take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people it means to be alive, but I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had.